Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, John June. Today, we're going to cover some news. We're going to play the ADP game. We also have a special interview, a dynasty rookie interview, the IDP edition with two of our dynasty football league league mates, Nim and Mig. Now, of course, I got my co-host, Greg, here. Greg Penniman. Greg, Yo. what's going on, man? How's it going? What's going on, people? Uh, you know, got a little game going on today. I like I like playing my little games, going back and forth. Looking forward to hearing that interview with Nim and Meg. Uh, yeah, those those two are funny together. Uh, fellow Giants fan, Meg. No really shout out to Nim, but yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, as I joked on the po- on the podcast with them, I think they may- they probably make a better fantasy duo than than pair of friends. But uh, <laughs> you could probably make that argument. But anyway, uh, before we get started, Greg, do you know we have some new listeners, man? So you know, we just want to say welcome to all to all you new listeners. Oh, yes, yep, yep, definitely. I, uh, even if you're just getting ready for redraft and you're coming back to us, appreciate you guys coming on board. Uh, I hope you like it because we're going to have fun this year and we're going to win a lot of chips because if you listened to us last year, you you had to win some chips. You had to win something. Um, also, major props to our listeners in Ireland and the Philippines. Yeah, Did you know about know. that? Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> you told me I was like, oh, that's crazy. I've been to Dublin. Still have yet to be in the Philippines, but uh, definitely on my list. Uh, we, we'll be early out here. I love it. Yeah, man, I've definitely been to Ireland. I know, you know, Bianca, my wife, is definitely trying to make it out to the Philippines as well. So maybe we'll cross paths with our listeners. But uh, if you ever want to interact with us on social media, we're at FF Diagnostics on Twitter and Instagram. I run the Twitter account. Greg runs the Instagram account. Uh, Greg's also at we underscore made it on Instagram. And I'm at JR Football Nerd on both Twitter and Instagram. So if you ever want to, you know, uh, shout us out or, you know, uh, say hello or drop us a you know, a question about your fantasy team or something like that, then feel free because we're you know we're both really fun to interact with on on both both platforms. So, um, before that, I mean, with all that said, let's just jump right into the news. And the first item of the day feels like it happened so long ago at this point, but that's oh, Patrick Mahomes, man. Signs <laughs> signs a huge ten year. $503 million deal that includes $477 million in guarantee mechanisms. That deal includes a no trade clause. Simply put, this was a great deal for the now half a billion dollar man, and no one deserves it more than him. Greg, what's your take on this deal for Patty and the Chiefs? Jerry Maguire said it best, man. Show me the money. You know, the Chiefs did it. They they paid this man. They got him, locked him down. I think it's good for both sides. Uh, just, you know, Patty getting stabilized as a player as the face of the NFL, as one of the face of sports in general, and you know, the Chiefs getting him locked down for a future to go. I'm just hoping that they are able to see um, how else this operation is working. And that's what Andy Reid, I think they need to invite him is just as important, uh, not as far as money, but like make sure that he's taken care of because this future with Patty needs to happen with Reid. I, I, I want to see a Brady Belichick going forward. That's what I want to see. 
Yeah, man, most definitely feel you on that. Uh, I mean, this this is this is a dynasty that they're building, and you know, uh, as a Jets fan, I'm kind of hurt because obviously it was going to be tough already, but now it just got even tougher for the next twelve years. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but you know, not like I said, man. Uh, you know, I'm happy for Patty. I, I just you know, I know what it means for the upcoming quarterbacks like uh, Dak Prescott. He's still trying to get a deal. Lamar Jackson's going to come up at some point. Sean yep. Watson's up. Yep. Um, you know, so th- these contracts are going to get crazy. But this also lifts the floor for other guys too. Um, but one position is probably not going to get the floor lifted anytime soon. That's the running back position. And you know, leading us to our next news item. Uh, Raheem Mostert of the San Francisco 49ers has officially requested a trade from the 49ers after becoming dissatisfied with the way his contract talks have been going. Mostert felt he deserved a raise, and the 49ers said that they would do that. Uh, but Mostert wants to be paid similar to the top backs on the team, uh, you know, some, some something similar in lines of uh, Tevin Coleman. And that pretty much amounts to essentially a $2 million raise. Hopefully the two sides can come to some sort of compromise. But, you know, Greg, what's your take on this situation? Uh, yeah, I, I could get where he's coming from as far as, you know, he has little gameplay as far as the years uh, versus Tevin Coleman. But in, you know, in the games last year down the stretch, he was way better as far as touches and as far as production. Uh, he, he you know, carried the team as far as the running production on uh, some sorts because Matt Breida was always getting hurt. And Tevin Coleman, you know, his snap count was kind of low. So, uh, you know, he he's ha- has an argument there. Um it's just a little surprising, but, you know, I like to stir up. If he gets traded, that just opens up some new doors for both players. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting, but it's a question of will this actually get done realistically. Yeah, I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken on the snap couch for Tevin Coleman, I think he had broken his arm or something like that mm-hmm. um, down the stretch, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I, I think that's what led to, the, to Mostert's rise in playing time. Um, Because I know there was a question if even most or if uh, Tevin Coleman would be even be ready to play in in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. Um, But anyway, I mean, Coleman's, you know, he's he's going really late in in drafts. Um, I mean, obviously, we're going to get to the ADP game. um, But, you know, um, you know what? Let's just jump right into that. Let's yeah, just do it. Do it. You know, so quick, quick run through the ADP game. Rules are very simple. We're going to list. uh we're going to list two players and we're going to try and decide which player we'd rather have at their respective ADP. Um, so, you know, that being said, we talked about Raheem Mostert. We're talking about Tevin Coleman. Raheem Mostert currently, according to fantasy football calculator, he, in half point PPR leagues, he's going as uh, the running back 28, the sixth, the sixth, the uh, 11th pick in the sixth round. Tevin Coleman's going off the board as running back 33, the, the first pick in the eighth round. Uh, Mostert is going as high as 401. He has gone as high as the 401. Um, I know in a lot of drafts that I've done, uh, competitive leagues, Mostert's going in the fourth, fifth round. Um, Coleman is going much later than that in those drafts. He's going in the eighth, ninth round sometimes. So, um, Greg, who would you rather have? So I got like a, I guess a two-part answer here because I have a split into – if the trade happens, if the trade doesn't happen. <laughs> so uh, assuming the trade does happen, I think it's a little obvious that Tim Coleman, you know, he would be the top option guy in a run-heavy offense. The 49ers, second in team run plays per game in the NFL. There'll be known Matt Brietta. He's with the uh, Dolphins. Jared McKinnon, his health is still up in the air. Uh, basically, there's only Jeff Wilson Jr. to, you know, take those goal line touchdowns. Michael Hasty season. <laughs> Oh, we got a little sleeper alert. Okay. Some, something like that. Okay, a little okay, dynasty okay, action. Okay, okay. But, uh, you know, I, I think 
at, to start, Tevin Coleman will be the guy mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. far as touches and, and carries. And Kyle Shanahan, the history is there. So uh, if the trade happens, I'm going to go with him. If the trade doesn't happen, I'm going to switch it up to Mosert. Uh, you were saying, alluding to the health. Um, but, you know, the touchdowns were there for Russ Morset. Uh, as far as the season goes, he got 10 uh, after the season. Coleman only had seven. Um, you know, they had very similar stats as far as carries and targets. Um, but, you know, I think Moser will be just a little more productive. Um, RB28 uh, is probably where I would value him right now. I think he can finish a little higher in the top 25. Uh, both these guys, I think, can. So you wouldn't go wrong. But I'm going I'm to lean more a little towards Moser. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I guess I, I have to go Coleman here just because, uh, you know, too many times we've seen this 49ers backfield could be unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year we thought it was Matt Breida. Last year we thought it was Tevin Coleman. It turned out to be Raheem Mostert. We got a Jeff Wilson three-touchdown game. You know, this – so this 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 Niners offense uh, backfield is just so unpredictable. So yeah. I'd rather take the the guy in this situation where they're ranked so close. I mean, I've you know I have Mostert inside the top twenty five. I've got Coleman inside the top thirty five. But um, you know, I that's that's you have to kind of you know uh, go back to last year where Mostert was getting bulk of that work. But if Coleman it could easily flip, right? Like Coleman could get that work as well, like as we saw last year. Um, so, I, you know, I think also what it comes down to um, is you're not just drafting Moster over Coleman, right? You're drafting Moster and foregoing drafting guys that we like, like Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. David Johnson, or even Todd Gurley, you know, or maybe if you like one of those receivers like an A.J. Brown or D.J. Moore or Robert Woods, you know, the opportunity cost is is much higher when you when you draft Raheem Mostert in the fourth, fifth round than it is when you draft Tevin Coleman in the eighth or the ninth. Yeah, true. If it's if it's Mostert in the sixth round, I would do that. I wouldn't go as high where he's going fourth, fifth. I would then lean towards Coleman. And mm-hmm. more for Coleman, he got more red zone touches than uh, Mostert last year. So that kind of tells the kind of his usage um, where he's he's getting opportunities in the red zone, meaning Coleman would get touchdowns. So if it's fourth round, yeah, I will definitely go Coleman too. Yeah, I mean, also the other thing to remember is that, uh, you know, Atlanta, you know, going back to Atlanta, like, you know, we've seen uh, Tevin Coleman be a pass catcher. He caught 31, uh, 31 passes on almost 14 yards a catch uh, playing for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, in in that Atlanta offense, I mean Matt Ryan was on fire that year. But either way, it's in his pedigree to be able to be a pass catching back. So again, like when you when you add that to the to the equation, um, yeah, he he makes a ton of sense. I mean, I have I have scooped up a ton of Coleman in the ninth round just because it just makes so much sense. You, you've got that high powered offense. Um, you know, you know they're going to use multiple backs. You know that injuries happen, so why not? Yeah, and now with this news, like if it really happens, you're guy. That's a lottery ticket right there, almost, because uh, you could get a you know RB two, a low end RB two. But if Moser sure gets traded, you have a uh, maybe a low end RB one upside right there. Yeah, most definitely for sure. Um, so moving on to the next the next uh, set of guys, we got another set of teammates. Uh, we got Nick Chubb, who is going off the board as the 201, the RB10, mm. versus Kareem Hunt, his teammate, who's going off the board as a 703, the RB31. Mm. Greg, what do we got here, man? Uh, it, it's really not even about Chubbs. It's really where Hunt is going. You, you're telling me RB31, seven round. I'm, I'm taking Kareem Hunt's ADP all day. When Hunt return again in week 10, 
He averaged 12.6 fantasy points per game uh, and, and, and standard PPR scoring. Uh, and then in PPR scoring, right? PPR okay. scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Which is, you know, the standard way what we do now. The standard um, way. <laughs> standard PPR <laughs> scoring, he said. All right, gotcha. Uh, and now and Chubb, in those same weeks when Hunt came back, averaged the same amount, 12.9, just a little higher. Uh, and he only had two touchdowns in the rest of the season when Hunt was in uh, versus when Hunt was out. And he only had, he had six touchdowns. So his production drop as far as touchdowns, his production drop as far as fantasy points per game. Uh, and if you're going you're gonna to tell me that Hunt can get similar points per game than Chubb uh, at a RB31 position. I'm going to take that all day. Give me that. The counter to that would be more for Chubb is that his touches are still almost double hunts every week mm. that th- those guys were in, um, which is fine. I'll take that. But if you're going to tell me that the output as far as that is going to be still the same, uh, yeah, give me Hunt at RB31. Okay, so um... – I got to I got to go with my man Nick Chubb here, and and that's mm-hmm. actually so my rankings. I have Nick Chubb at six. I've got Hunt at thirty one. Uh, so I'm in at Chubb at his current price. And mm-hmm. if you look at Chubb last year, he had one thousand four hundred ninety four rushing yards and eight ch- and eight touchdowns. If you check the correlation between rushing touchdowns and rushing yards over the last ten years, you'll see there's an R squared of. 0.66. So essentially what you can say is that 66% of running back touchdowns over the last 10 years can be explained by yardage. And so Chubb, based on his yardage total last year, scored three touchdowns less than expectation, which was tied with several other guys for the second largest difference in actual output versus expected output. I'm projecting uh, the Browns to be a good football team this year, potentially a playoff team. Nick Chubb was tied last year for first in the league with CMC you know that guy, right, Greg, CMC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tied for first in the league last year with carries inside the 10-yard line with 32. CMC converted 10 of those into scores, while Chubb only converted four. And if we look at the carries inside the five, Chubb was seven, was top seven in that category, and he was tied for 28th in touchdowns inside the five with three. I'm projecting for Chubb for 1,500 yards this year, and I'm seeing him positively regress in the touchdown department, get into the 11 touchdowns that he was supposed to get last year, and if he converts more of those, then that's when we start talking about Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones-type season from last year. But again, don't hear what I'm not saying. Kareem Hunt is going to be good this year. I have the Browns being a potential playoff team, which means they'll be in positive game script and have the opportunity to get Hunt involved, especially early in the game as a receiver out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm I'm in on – I've got Chubb inside my top. And he's, he's at my six-and-a-half point PPR. I mean, in full point PPR, um, you know, the gap closes a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, not in on Hunt. I'm just – really in on Chubb at his current price. Yeah, and I'm I don't think I'm yeah, I'm not as, you know, down on Chubb. I see him still as a, you know, low end RB1, but I think I'm a little higher on Hunt at where he's going. I think he's really cheap right now. And, you know, in our last episode, we got both of them. Uh if you want to check that out. So, yeah, it, it's a way where you can, you know, if you like them both, you get both of them. If you if you really go want to go with one, you can do that too i mean hunt's got that built-in upside though right like yeah obviously if anything happens to to Nick chubb like this isn't james white this isn't duke johnson like this is this is more than just a pass catcher this is a guy that can be a 300 touch back yep he's just in a offense with a guy who is a 300 touchback right so um you know i, I nick uh, kareem hunt is great value where he's going um, you know, I, I don't think you could go wrong picking either picking either of these guys at their current price. Yeah, it just the uh, that that touchdown number, the split 
from six uh, in the first couple of weeks to two with Hunt coming back, it, that concerns me a little bit. So I'm going I'm to go with Hunt. <laughs> All right. So the the next one up that we have, the last one that we got is uh, Leonard Fournette. He's going off the board as the 211, the RB12. And Chris Carson is going off the board at 305 as the RB16. So, Greg, what do you got on this one, man? This, this is probably the toughest one of the three, I think. Um, but I, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Chris Carson. Uh, Chris Carson going at RB16. He finished last season uh, 15.5 fantasy points per game at RB, as an RB12. He was fifth in carries. He was 25th in targets um, versus, you know, Leonard Fournette, who finishes RB7 uh, higher in the rankings. Also, he was, you know, high, uh, you know seventh in carries, but he was higher, way higher in targets. He got 100 targets last year, uh, giving him a lot of receptions, um, which was very good for Leonard Fournette, um, you know, seeing that in his game. But I think that the 2020 outlook for me, it will bring that down a little bit, especially with the addition of Chris Thompson mm-hmm. uh, and Jay Gruden, both of those guys, mm-hmm. former player, former, you know, they played together. Jay Gruden coached him in Washington. So I think that will bring his target number down. Uh, Chris Thompson had 58 in 2019 and then 55 the previous year. So I think that'll be big for, for that. And I think just Chris Carson, his numbers have gone up as far as targets and receptions. So that should help him from 2018 to 2019. And I think that number should go up again uh, because, you know, no Rashad Penny to start and there's no really, Carlos Hyde is not really a threat to, you know, Chris Carson's output as, as, at all, I think. So I'm going to go with Chris Carson as far as his uh, outlook looking into the season. Again, a mid, mid-round running back you can take to be finished as an RB1, which is what he did last year. Yeah, man, I you said this one was hard. This this one's easy for me, bro. <laughs> I, Fournette finished the year last year as RB9. Uh, now he, he he underperformed in the rushing touchdown department as well. Over the last 10 years, run, NFL teams average a 65 to 35% passing to rushing touchdown split. 2019 Jags scored 88% of their touchdowns via the pass with Fournette just scoring three touchdowns on the ground. That's five below expectation, which was the highest differential in the league between expected and actual. Now, all that said, I know it sounds like I'm going Fournette, but I'm actually going Chris Carson. Carson's a healthy lock. If healthy, he's locked to get 300 touches for a good Seattle Seahawks team. And I'm not projecting the Jags to be any good. Neither does Vegas with an over-under of four and a half wins. Uh, The Jags brought in Chris Thompson, like you just said. Uh, who's New Jags OC Jay Gruden's favorite player from their time together in Washington mm-hmm. um, or one of his favorite players. So I think the fact that Jacksonville Jacksonville will find themselves in a, in a lot of negative game script and then that probably that means less time on the field for Leonard Fournette, uh, more time on the field for Chris Thompson. Uh, I've got Fournette as my RB18. I've got Chris Carson inside my top 10. Uh, you know, again, you're talking about a guy, he's going to get 300 touches. Uh, like you said, he, from 2018 to 2019, he's been, he's been getting more work in the past game. Um, and, you know, with no Rashad Penny, uh, JD McKissick is finally out of there. Uh, you know, I think that there's, a, there's an opportunity here for Chris Carson to get potentially even more pass work. Um, you know, like, we see with Seattle, they're going to, they're going to run the ball. I mean, Chris Carson, if you play FanDuel or DraftKings or, you know, any daily fantasy, like you, you should always try to build around Chris Carson because he's a lock to get a hundred yards and at least a touchdown every week. Yep. Yep. He's a very safe player. And every round, you know, every year he's going in those mid rounds and you could just scoop him up as a reliable back. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the concerns there with Chris Carson, are the injury concerns because he, he, you know, I actually look back to my notes from two years ago 
and I wrote down Chris Carson runs very physical, but he's going to get hurt because he does not try to protect himself. Um, he literally does not try. He's he's he runs with a reckless abandon uh, abandonment. He's you know trying to hurdle people, jumping over people, uh, trucking people. Uh, he just this guy is just doing everything to try to you know try to get extra yardage. And you know as a fantasy owner, you gotta love it. But um, I think that's why we're getting him at such the discount that we are. True, true. But if, yeah, if he puts up the numbers that he put up last year, that's a win. And I remember he was going fourth, fifth round last year. So I'll take it again. Yeah, no, nah, most definitely, man. Um, I mean, I think we're we got a little bit more time. Um, do you want to? Okay. We could, we could, we could do another one of these, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, Kenyon Drake is going off the board as RB fifteen. Uh, that's the three hundred four. Okay. And we've got Todd Gurley going off the board as the 601 RB25 half point PPR leagues. What do you got, Greg? Mm. Mm. Kenny Drake is going higher than 304. I don't, I don't really I don't really buy into this 304. I, I, it says he's he's gone as high as the 107 in leagues I've been in, Kenny Drake's gone in, in the second round. I, he, he almost never makes it to the third round. So Kenny Drake's gone in the third round. Uh, Todd Gurley has gone some anywhere between the fourth and the sixth round. I think I'm going to still lean to Kenyon Drake um, with that, with the number you told me, and even with the range, I still think I would take, uh, you know, Kenyon Drake. I uh, think just the opportunity is is there um i'm also i'm you know todd Gurley. there's a lot of you know, concerns as far as health mm-hmm. uh the knee always but he, he you know it's it's there you see the adp it did drop a lot um ito smith last year you know had some impact and i could see him having impact again especially in the red zone uh so i think i'm gonna take Kane drake as far as you know opportunity um cleve kingsbury is gonna run the ball um you talked about those adjustments in last last week's episode or just in general, um, I think I'm going to go with Kane Drake. Yeah, uh, this one's actually really tough for me, man, because I've got these guys so close together in the rankings, and they're in the same tier, in my opinion, mm-hmm. of of fantasy, fantasy assets. Uh, Todd Gurley just a little bit higher, just based on the amount of touches that Devontae Freeman was getting last year. Um, you know, and, and they Atlanta is going to use a workhorse back. And if Todd Gurley is healthy, I mean, granted, you know, the knees are concerned, but he he only missed one game last year, right? Um, you know, and and the issue as well was he wasn't getting a ton of receiving work. Uh, the Rams last year had the lowest running back target share in the NFL. Um, and Atlanta, it's not going to be the case in Atlanta, there's no Austin Hooper. <laughs> This is really, really tough because I really like Kenyon Drake. I, yeah. you, and you know how much I really, really like Kenyon Drake. I, I liked yeah. him since the moment he got traded last year to Arizona. Um, I liked him, um, you know, you know, as I started to do my projections this year and realizing, you know, this guy, this is a guy that played 79% of the snaps uh, as the as the lead workhorse running back in Arizona upon getting traded there. That was good for fifth in the league. Um, 
you know, David Johnson, while Kenyon Drake was an Arizona Cardinal, averaged four and a half touches. And that was the second most running back touches on the team behind Kenyon Drake. Um, you're not, can you, there's no injury concerns there with Kenyon Drake. Oh man, yeah. they both they both have potential to be to be an RB one. Kenyon Drake, he's gonna get, uh, he's gonna get at least seventeen touches to twenty a game. No, absolutely, he's gonna yeah. get he's gonna get seventeen to twenty touches a game. Um, and Todd Gurley's gonna get seventeen to twenty touches a game. I just don't know if he's gonna make it through all those touches in all those games. Um. Mm. Okay, so I, I think I think because of all this, you know, I actually have I have, you know, experimented with this in mock drafts before too, um, which is because I feel like this tier tier five of running backs is so deep. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about guys like Todd Gurley, uh, Aaron jo- Aaron Jones, David Johnson, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell, yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Like this thing is so deep. Yeah, like. At this point in, in drafts, I find myself saying, "Okay, let me just go to the receiver position real quick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let me go. Let me go. You know, you know, pull a couple guys from tier from tier three of that of that position, and then let this tier sort itself out. So instead of having feeling like, oh, I'm drafting, you know, Kenyon Drake over Todd Gurley, even though I have them both so close in my rankings." Let me just go get the receiver position so I don't have to make that decision and then come back and pick up Todd Gurley. I think I'd be more comfortable with Kane Drake as my RB2 than Todd Gurley as my, like, flex or RB2, definitely, I think. Yeah, I mean, if Todd Gurley is my RB2, right, but my receiver position, I have Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, and, you know, DJ Shark, but Todd Gurley is my RB2. Like, I'm not really upset about that. No. And I could pick up a Jordan Howard and a Ronald Jones even later um, just in case Todd Gurley doesn't make it through 16 games, Yep. right? Because my concern isn't that Kenyon Drake or Todd Gurley, that, you know, that Kenyon Drake's going to outproduce Todd Gurley in six through 16 games. My, my concern is that Todd Gurley won't make it through the 16 games. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if I can get some insurance that way, um, you know, cause it's all about roster construction at the end of the day too. So, yeah, I mean, I think at the price, uh, you know, I just, if I'm going to get the, a guy who's ranked slightly higher in my rankings for the cheaper price, but that means I can be stronger at the wide receiver position, then yeah, I'm probably going to go with Todd Gurley. Yeah. And I'm going to just lean towards upside slightly more and just go with Kendrick. Yeah. But that implies that Todd Gurley doesn't have upside, right? Which he right. does. He does. Right? He does have upside. There's just the downside is just higher with him, right? It's a higher – the risk is higher. Yeah. Right? Because he has upside. It's just that, that he's also got a ton of risk associated with him. Yeah. But if you're – as you – I think, right, in the, in the first – with your first-round pick, you want to assume as little risk as possible. Yeah. Right? With your second-round pick, you're going to assume a little bit more risk, but you're still not assuming that much risk as you get later into the draft you're more willing to you're willing to assume more risk right mm-hmm. like in the as you get to the 10th round you you don't even care what you do at that point so if i'm in the sixth round i think that's you know that's the risk meets the upside there for me we're like if todd Gurley makes the 16 games I'm, i have a top 10 running back that you yeah. know that that's it there's no there's no there's no bones about that like if he makes it through 16 games in that atlanta offense you know, playing that schedule that they play against all those high scoring teams where, you know, Matt Ryan's going to dump the ball off and he could potentially get 60 catches and another 250 touches. 
or 50 rushing rush attempts. I'm I'm all for that. I just again, it comes down to is he going to make it through the 16 games? And so, <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> but again, I I'm I'm really I'm also you know very high on Kenyon Drake uh, as well. I think that this uh, this Arizona offense could be very explosive. I really like Cliff Kingsbury and what he does as a coach. Um, so. You know, I think either either way, you, you really can't go wrong. It just comes down to roster construction. Yeah. Um. All right. So, I mean, I know we were going to play – we wanted to play some more ADP game, but I don't think we're going to have time because we wanted to keep this episode short because we do have the interview with uh, Nim and Meg, um, which did cover, you know, 30 minutes or so. So, we're going to want to keep this episode under an hour. So, um. Greg, anything else before we before we wrap this up? Oh yeah, if you, you guys like this, trust me, there's gonna be way more ADP situations. We got so many names I could think of: Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. We got so many coming. You know, don't worry about it. We we gonna come back to this. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks. Oh, the, the ADP again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. The ADP game is a staple of of our. Uh, you know, it's a nice thought process exercise. Um, you know, gets you thinking about different guys in different situations and the cost association and all that stuff. So we're definitely going to play a lot more ADP game. Yep, for sure. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, if you really like what, what we're doing here, uh, continue to spread the love. Uh, you know, shout us out on social media. Uh, subscribe, Hit that subscribe button on Apple iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, you know, rate and review us, whatever it is you have to do. So to get, uh, you know, to get your friends and, you know, people you care about the best possible fantasy advice that they can get, which is mm-hmm. us right here at fantasy football diagnostics. Yes, sir. So again, thank you for listening, everybody really appreciate you. And we are out. Yeah. Now don't go anywhere just yet. Make sure you stick around for our IDP breakdown with Nim and Mig as we break down their dynasty rookie draft. Also make sure you come back next week as we announce a special series that we have for you all at fantasy football diagnostics. So next up we have two of my dynasty football league mates, two guys that happen to be really good friends. And I'd argue that they probably make a better fantasy duo. That's Nim Philippe and Mig Haywavathara. Um, hope I said that right. Nim or Mig. So please forgive me, but (laughs) welcome to the show guys. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Yeah, doing good, man. So, like I mentioned, um, you guys, you know, recently acquired a team within our Dynasty League. Uh, this league is a full IDP league. We start two defensive linemen, two linebackers, four defensive backs, and we have three additional uh, flex spots on defense. So, you're starting 11 defensive players. Um, you guys, you know, you, you acquired this team. It, you know, it seemed like you guys had a strength on offense because – this draft, and I'm going to break it down right now. You know, at the 107 spot, you took Chase Young, uh, defensive end with the with Washington. He was the number two overall pick in this in this year's draft. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, who was the number eighth pick in this year's draft, you got him at 207, a linebacker with the Arizona Cardinals. And at 307, you went and got KJ Hamler, wide receiver with the Denver Broncos. And then 407 uh, with uh, yours truly to acquire uh, two linebackers, Bobby Okariki and, and Ryan Conley, uh, Okariki with the Colts and Conley with the Giants. So, um, you know, what was the what was the strategy here? I mean, the first-round pick, obviously, you guys took Chase Young. You know, what was the thought process behind that pick, passing up on, uh, you know, some some backs and, and you know, potentially all the, all the wide receivers had made it to you guys at that point. So what was the thought process there? 
Right. So, so to give everyone an idea of some, some of the skill position players that we had on offense, you know, we have Saquon Barkley, Kenyon Drake, you know, we have a lot of depth at the wide receiver and running back position, but we saw that we were lacking a lot, especially younger uh, defensive players um, in, in our, in our keeper league. And so we decided, I guess we wanted to really shore up that defense with some players that we thought that would be starters for sure. And, you know, Chase Young, I, you know, I went to Penn state as an undergrad and I watch a lot of big 10 football and man, Chase Young is, he's such an X factor on defense, just seeing the way Ohio state's defense is so stout and they dominate people. But when Chase Young is in the game, it just changed everything. If you don't double team him, he's, you know, destroying everyone basically. So, um, so that was kind of our, our, our idea was we wanted to go hard on the defensive kind of, especially at that younger, younger level to um, shore that up. Yeah. I mean, Chase Young, Oh, sorry, Nim, were you going to say something? Yeah. I was just going to say that was just a light kind of intro to who else we have on our team. I mean, we have Saquon Barkley, we have Kenyon Drake, but we also have carry on Johnson. We have scary Terry. We have Taylor Lockett. So we inherited a team that offensively, I think, just barring injuries, could have made it very far. And we kind of saw that there was a value to defensive players with points that people were just kind of passing up on. Mm -hmm. That if we can have this team that was solid on offense and solid on defense, that we couldn't be stopped. Mm -hmm. So we definitely wanted to just shore up that defense and make sure that this is something in this draft we can take care of uh, for a couple years in the future. So that way, in future drafts, we'll be right there taking those skill positions when needed. Mm. That's a sound strategy right there. Before we move on, uh, Chase Young, I, you know, I just want to touch on him. I mean, this guy, you know, he gets talked about in the same breath as Peppers, um, who fame, long-time defensive end with the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, this guy, they say he's up there with Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa, but he's, he's more athletic than those two guys when they were coming out. So, uh, you know, I think you guys got a potential steal here. Um, you know, I, I traded back into the top of the second round. And, you know, I, Chase Young was somebody that was definitely on my radar because I've I've definitely neglected the defensive line position for far too long in this league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, like, if you look at some of our other defensive linemen, for example, like J.J. Watt, he's amazing, mm-hmm. but he's injured all the time, right? Yeah. You know, we have um, – Fletcher Cox. Yeah, Fletcher Cox. He's older. older. You know, so we have some solid guys. It's just they're they're older and they're you know injured. <laughs> and this dynasty, so we got to play the long game, right? right? No, absolutely. So, um, you know, like you guys were saying, uh, Nim, you had touched on it. Um, you know, you, your strategy coming in was trying to get these young defensive players, uh, trying to you know shore up this defense, and so it seems like that was your that was the plan. I mean, did you? You guys feel like you executed that plan, you know, especially even getting Isaiah Simmons, who was, um, you know, the eighth pick in this draft, the first linebacker off the board. Absolutely. I think that when you look at it overall, I mean, looking back, I think even though a lot of these players are defensive, we have three top 10 first round picks, even though they're all defensive, that still says something. I mean, if you look at it around, if you spread it evenly across the other skill positions, I mean, you have people who are hit or misses. Um, you have some people who you got in the first round, second round, third round. We have three top ten draft picks. And Jeff, all the, Jeff, so they're all uh, on defense. We took in free agency was 
the uh, cornerback who I guess Detroit took with the third pick. Oh, Jeff Okuda, yes. Right, right. so that's the third yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. We snagged him in free agency immediately after, and I'd still say that we just went in on defense. Uh, we came out with four defensive players for the rookie draft, plus a fifth player on offense who we think has a lot of potential, wide receiver, just a, just a quick plug. But I think we more than did our job when it came to shoring up our defense and making sure that we are set for this season. Right. And no, we, absolutely. Yeah. We even, we, we even had a moment where between our first and second pick where we had to kind of reaffirm what we were doing because <laughs> we, saw, we, saw, we saw all those wide receivers go, go off the board, um, you know, after our pick basically in the first round. And we we're like, oh, man, all these wide receivers are going, you know, all these running back positions are going. We already got that one stellar defensive player. Are you sure we want to go? Uh, middle linebacker, you know, Isaiah Simmons for that, that uh, second pick at number seven. And, uh, and we reaffirmed it. And I'm happy. I'm really, really happy we did because the first two picks of the third round were both the other star linebackers um, mm-hmm. that were there. So I'm really happy we, we stayed true to our draft strategy there and picked up Isaiah Simmons. It also yeah. made it kind of easy because no one else was really looking in that direction for a while. So it was like, oh, okay, who's the next best one? Boom, snag. Oh, okay, who's the next one? Boom, snag. Right. So um, it made it kind of like there was no competition for a while, which made our strategy very easy since everyone was looking at skill positions for a minute. Like the first two rounds were just solid skill positions on offense. So we just – it was just very easy to be like, okay, we'll just take all these people off. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> from from – from a perspective, so being in the league and actually having this spoken to, you know, I expect it, you know, through text, it was just interesting because you guys took Chase Young at 107 and we, you know, we kind of perked like, wow, that's, that's actually a really good pick. That's, you know, like nobody saw that coming. Uh, Cause you know, we, we kind of think, we thought, you know, everybody coming into an IDP league for the first time, kind of what you thought that people were going to undervalue defense and you guys, you know, you, you went, you went against the grain and, you know, scooped up defense. And then when you guys picked up Isaiah Simmons in the second round, I was shocked. But I'm like, why should I even be shocked? You went Chase Young in the first. So (laughs) back-to-back defensive players, uh, you know, continue to attack. You know, I I said it last week uh, when I was talking to Akeem, if you have – you feel like you have a weakness, uh, you know, you just spend assets to to fill that weakness. And you guys, you you know, you turn three draft picks into four defensive players – um, you know, with the, using that fourth round pick to get two linebackers. So, you know, I think this is this was a great strategy here. And then getting a guy like KJ Hamler, um, you know, who I think bring, you know, if you're going to not pick a receiver and your first receiver is going to be in the third round, a guy like KJ Hamler, I think is a perfect guy. So can you guys speak to that? You know, uh, outside of your first round pick, is he the guy that you guys are probably most excited about? Uh, I'm definitely very excited about KJ. And obviously this is, Penn State homerism in tried and true for sure. I, you know, I watched KJ play a lot and I'm very excited about how quick he is, how agile he is. I mean, especially just the like the situation he's in as well. Cause you know, there's a lot of very fast, very quick wide receivers in this draft, but I think the situation he's in with Denver, cause especially cause they're trying to compete with KC and the other wide receivers that they have, these, you know, tall outside guys, I think KJ is going to be able to carve himself out a great 
underneath slot role and you know with his quickness and the way he can break tackles and shift and you know make guys miss I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how he develops especially in a you know pro system and pro conditioning and workouts and stuff like that I'm, I'm excited to see how he develops there for sure yeah I mean I think this is great especially you know in our league you know as I mentioned last week you get points for literally anything you do on a football field so if this guy can get on special teams and, and be, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a, dan- a dynamic player that way, similar, you mm-hmm. know, to what a Tyreek Hill, how he got how he got started in the league. You know, I think that would be, you know, great value there right there in year one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, outside of your picks, I guess, which picks around the league did you like the most? I guess we'll start with you, Nim. Uh, so, actually, John, it's hilarious because your pick was one of the picks I like the most with you. Um traded up for, which is Jalen Rager. I think oh, yeah. obviously being a, a Philly homestead, I think that uh, that's an excellent pick. I think he's definitely one of those players who he's a player where a team needs that, and you took it. So you know you're going to get value. You know you're going to get output because they're going to plug him in immediately. And I mean, as a Philly fan, we think we've all <laughs> studied his tape to see what he can bring to the team, and he definitely looks like he can be a playmaker. He looks like he can be a game changer. But I guess also to that Another pick was Jalen Hurts, uh, who got drafted in the fourth right before us, before we made that trade with you. Um, I think that's actually why we made that trade (laughs) back, because we're looking to take Hurts. Granted, we are set at the QB position. We have Tom Brady. Patrick um, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, who were set for the next 12 years. (laughs) 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 We have Mariota, who, you know. Whatever, but we have Drew Brees as well. So we were we had depth, but we thought it was you know it was late. It was the fourth round. We were weren't really sure what we were gonna do. We had already kind of accomplished our mission with defense, but we figured, hey, why not? There's another player who may have potential who could be explosive. So we were probably gonna switch out Mariota for Hertz, but then he got snagged, and I appreciated it because I'm not entirely sure where Philly is going with this. There's a lot of speculation. But I really do think that he is somebody, a project who they're going to develop. And Philly's known for developing pretty good QBs over the last couple of years. So I thought that was a fantastic pick as well. Yeah, no, definitely. What yeah. about what about you, Mig? Um, yeah, you know, so after two Jalen's go off the board, right, right. And Jay, and I think Jalen Rager, when you picked him, that was your second round pick, right? Yeah, I had a few but, second round yeah, picks. So I think I, <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think that's who we were actually originally looking to pick with our third round pick. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, he wasn't there, so we took KJ. But um, mm-hmm. I really like the. Uh, I mean, it was the first pick of the draft, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and it's not mm-hmm. surprising because it's a fantasy draft. So obviously, running backs and wide receivers are very, uh, you know, sought after. But I thought it was it's just like an interesting pro draft this year because like in recent years, there's been such hype around a lot of these amazing running backs coming out of college and obviously Saquon being one of them being a Giants fan. Um, But this draft, you know, I think the first running back off the board was Clyde Edwards Lair, right? And he was like at the very end of that first round. 32nd pick in the draft. There wasn't (laughs) hype around him, but I I was kind of like looking into him a lot more and it's just like Andy Reid, just loves his pass catching backs. And there was, I remember seeing a quote uh, where the GM of KC was saying that he told Andy Reid that Clyde Edwards Hilaire would remind him of Brian Westbrook. And apparently, after Andy looked at the tape, he said it was, he would be better than Brian Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And I, and like seeing, and obviously being a Giants fan and having Andy Reid systems destroy my team <laughs> for a long amount of time. 
<laughs> seeing how good Brian Westbrook was and seeing how explosive I like I love this explosive Casey offense so much. I'm so here for it. Mm-hmm. I'm so here for what a dynamic elite pass catching back is gonna do for that system as well. Also because we have Patrick Mahomes on our team and I'm, I'm all, yeah. <laughs> also I, I was really, really happy with that. And then also echoing what I know I wanted pick. I, I like that a lot because we were going to pick it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing. I mean, that, those are all great points, Meg. Um, you know, when, when Andy Reid makes, makes a, mm-hmm. um, you know, comparison, we all have to listen, you know, he's the guy that compared Patrick Mahomes to, to Brett Favre right after mm-hmm. the draft. And so, um, obviously, he's he's universe is light light years ahead of where Brett Favre probably was at this point in his career. So, um, you know, I think good things are are you know in in the, good things are near for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, most definitely for for sure. Um, so, you know, moving on, what got what guys I guess drafted mid to late round guys? You know, could you do you guys think could be values or maybe we'll be talking about them as steals of the draft? You know, one to two years from now. Nim, you want to? Um, I would probably mid to late round. I would probably say again, hurts. I mean, he's who knows could happen to Wentz. You know what I mean? And he could be somebody who you he has athleticism. People are talking about potentially making him like a a hill situation where he's mm-hmm. has multiple facets. I don't think that's the way they're gonna go, but that just speaks to his athleticism and what he could do. So I think you know we just signed Wentz. He'll be here for a while. He's our QB. We've committed to that, but times will change. And I think looking back on this draft, you're going to see fourth round, late pick, this QB who could be the next thing. So I'm always into late QBs who can develop into something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. I mean, especially where the, where the league is going, athletic players, athletic quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks that can throw on the run. Mm-hmm. I think Jalen Hurts fits that mold. I mean, I would have liked him to end up in an opportunity – uh, in a situation where he could have competed for a starting job, uh, obviously you know Wentz is a little bit older. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, was this fourth? Is this his fourth or fifth year in the league? But he's he's 27, um, so you know maybe the, the Eagles have an eye on the future that way. I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, just because NFL is about getting quarterbacks on cheap contracts, right? So yep. we just watched Patrick Mahomes sign a 10-year, 503 million dollar <laughs> deal, and you know. Carson Wentz, you guys got Carson Wentz for a discount last year, so he might be right. looking at, at Howie Roseman like, hey, we might have to get this deal done. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mick, what about you? Uh, what guy do you, uh, what guy, what guys do you think could be you right. know, seen as future steals? Right. Well, I'm definitely hoping KJ uh, develops into being like a PPR monster um, in the slot with all the coverage going to Judy and Sutton on that Denver mm-hmm. offense, uh, you know, especially since that pick was I guess the 10th receiver off of our board so it'd be nice to see him really develop and do really well uh and then obviously as a Giants fan I'm, I'm hoping Xavier McKinney turns out to be an all-pro hybrid DB especially because mm-hmm. I guess some DBs on our team decide to <laughs> get on the other side of the law a little bit so you know hoping Xavier McKinney turns out really well so yeah I mean to that uh well, before I, I, I get into more KJ, because this is, you know, racking my brain, making me think about some stuff. But Xavier McKinney, I think, fits uh, a Joe Judge system perfectly. I mean, when you talk about, you know, Patriots players, they're all versatile. They're all, you know, multifaceted, can play different roles. And I think when you look at Xavier McKinney at Alabama, this is a guy that lined up 
you know, in the box. He lined up as a deep safety. He even lined up as an edge sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think Xavier McKinney fits that mold uh, for, you know, a Joe Judge defense. Right. Uh, I think that he'll he'll be a huge addition to the, the Giants' pass, pass defense, which we know is was definitely weak last year for sure. Yeah. Um, but to back to KJ, man. So, you know, we talked about – we're talking about KJ. Um, you know, you're talking about Judy and Sutton. And this would make my brother Randy very happy. But where are you, what are you guys thinking about, about um, you know, Drew Locke? You know, because, you know, he's got – he's surrounded with all these weapons. You know, we talked about on the podcast Albert O last week. We talked about Noah Fant. Uh, you know, Greg and I are really high on Noah Fant. So, you know, what are you, what are you guys thinking about, uh, you know, Drew Locke, the Denver Broncos quarterback, entering his second year? Yeah, I mean, he has weapons. <laughs> he has weapons. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's got, I think Melvin Gordon's on the Denver Broncos. Yep, Melvin Gordon did sign with the did sign with the, with the Denver Broncos as well. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got literally all of the weapons to to make this offense amazing. And I mean, it seems like Elway thinks that he's the guy, and that yeah, listen, you know, he's got Elway his, speaks. <laughs> so it's, uh, so I think it's you know I'm hoping he succeeds. You know, I think I think a strong Denver team. Like having two really strong offenses in that division is going to be really fun to watch, and you know, I'm really hoping he develops into like a fantastic quarterback. That'd be great to see. Yeah, I mean, I know Denver's been looking for one for a while. You know, they went, they you know they got they struck uh, lightning in a bottle with Peyton Manning, mm -hmm. right? Um, but then you know since then it's been Paxton Lynch, right. Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler um, for Brock yeah. Osweiler. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you know, Drew Locke is, you know, hopefully he can be the guy. I mean, the De Denver's doing it the right way, you know, because at the end of this year, we're going to know, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. We're going to know. They surrounded him with weapons. He's got no excuse. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're going to find out. But, um, you know, so, you know, I guess I can't, I can't not stir any trouble on the podcast. I can't help myself. <laughs> but, you know, we got NFC East rivals here. Yes, yes. Uh, Giants, yes. we got the Eagles. Yeah, Giants most recently won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, in this in this division, uh, they're favorite. They're you know favored to win. I think the over under on the on the Eagles is nine nine and a half or nine wins, and, and the over under for the Giants is six and a half. So, you know, what what are we doing here? What are we what do you what are we guys thinking for this for this upcoming season and this NFC East showdown? Are we, are we concerned about Dallas at all? Like, I want to hear it all. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, first of all, for Dallas, I really hope that Dallas signs Dak to like a insane, <laughs> all the money. I want, I want 400 million over 10 years. Cause it can't be as good as Pat. So, you know, it's gotta be, but I want it to be insane. I, I want that um, personally. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for the giants, uh, See, growing up with the Giants and their successes with those Super Bowl runs has screwed Mikey of almost any Giants fan where they think that any year can be their year because because oh we just gotta get on we just gotta sneak into the playoffs and go on a run, right? That's that's always <laughs> uh, for some reason in the NFC East it's always like that, you know, eight and eight team that sneaks into the playoffs and causes trouble, right? Um mm -hmm. so but you know, it's just too much in the air. I think with this with this change in the leadership, and I like what Joe Judge is doing. I like that they're, you know, I like what Joe Judge and Gettleman are doing. I like that they're really solidifying the defense this off season. 
you know, we have the guy who we think our quarterback is. We have stellar uh, offensive players. It would have been nice to get like a really good outside weapon for Daniel Jones, but, Mm -hmm. you know, also hoping, you know, um, Darius Slay, uh, you know, develops further stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting my hopes up too, too much, but I'd also, you know, who knows? We, we lost a lot of games by like really small amount of points, I think last year too. So. Mm-hmm. And again, hopefully everybody's healthy this year. So, yeah. You know, I, that's yeah. a big factor. <laughs> I really like Saquon Barkley to have a huge bounce back here this year. So, uh, you know, we can all remember how talented yeah. of a running back he is. So. Yeah, exactly. And then speaking on the then, Eagles, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, well, for the NFC East as a whole, I think if you look back for the last 10 years, there's kind of this like constant back and forth between, us being one of the scariest teams in the whole league and then us not even deserving to be in the playoffs (laughs) at all, like having just eight and eight teams get in. And I mean, I think we saw that last year where Eagles, Cowboys, uh, Redskins and Giants were just not it. Like no one was really worried about us going in. And I mean, there's a lot of factors to that, but I think that means that this season is going to be one of those seasons where we're going to have a team or two that's scary. And I think, Everyone is looking at Dallas right now because you saw their draft. It looked amazing. Mm-hmm. They also got rid of their coach, uh, bringing in somebody. Addition by subtraction. Right. Oh, and <laughs> it could be an X factor, but, I mean, they've mismanaged, and Dallas has had these weapons for so long, and they've mismanaged it for a while. So there's still that air of, hmm, well, they have all the pieces, and Dak is good enough to just, you know, lead that team to victory, but I don't know. And mm-hmm. – I'm worried to an extent, but also not because the same thing with my Eagles. I mean, we have adversity over hardship. I mean, even in the year that we won the Super Bowl, there was a lot to get over. There was a lot of next man up stepping up. And if you look to last year where everything was just in a free fall, when you think about it, it was collapse on offense and defense. They still made something happen. They still made it to the playoffs and they still made it a run. And I know it was in a division that was hurting overall, but. Carson Wentz throwing for 4,000 yards and none of his wide receivers getting over 500 speaks to their ability <laughs> to get something done. So I really think that the NFC East this year is some a division that we should look to. I think the Giants are making changes too. It's slowly, incrementally happening. They're finally letting go of Eli. They're finally letting go of that old mentality. Uh, yeah. The Redskins, they're doing an overhaul from their name all the way to their players. <laughs> Hopefully they have uh, less injury. Hopefully everybody... I would love to see a season where the NFC East is fully healthy and they really bring all their guns because we're a division that has it, I think. You know, I think we're a division. The Eagles are kind of shifting towards that KC offensive style of just fast track stars running and just gunning the ball down to them. Um, Dallas, the receivers, Hope Cal, is going to be insane. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> things could happen. You know, Daniel Jones, we're looking. He, he looks like he has the pieces there. So I think mm-hmm. that the NFC East is going to be a challenge this year for the Eagles, but mm-hmm. uh, we can step it up. We've done – a lot more with less. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think from a football perspective, I think, you know, the NFC East is always going to be one of those divisions that's competitive within itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also going to beat up on some other teams around the league. Um, but, you know, I think from a fantasy standpoint, I think there's, there's a lot of value yes. in this division. Yes, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. <laughs> lots and lots of value. Uh, you know, like we talked about with the Eagles, you know, I think I like the receivers, you know, even, um, you know, uh, Jalen Rager, I think, obviously, I'm very high on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the Giants side, I already talked about Saquon Barkley. You know, Daniel Jones is 
is probably one of the, the one of my targets as a late round quarterback this year. Um, you know, his weapons are all, you know, going in the eighth, ninth round of fantasy draft. So there's a ton of value in this league. I mean, Dallas, you know, we, we already know, uh, you know, Dak's probably going to be a top three fantasy quarterback, top five fantasy quarterback. Zeke Elliott, we know what he is. So, yeah, this division's loaded with, with talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Terry McLaurin and over in Washington. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, man, I, I guess that's all we got today, guys. I mean, but, you know, again, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. This was a really great conversation. Thank you for having really us. Got yeah, thanks for having me. No, absolutely, guys. Absolutely. Um, you know, hopefully it's not the last. Uh, you know, we can dig – We. Um, you know, see how this strategy turned out for you guys, Dick, you know, gra- grabbing all these IDP players. Um, you know, hopefully it, it ends ends up with you guys chasing a, chasing a chip. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, um, again, thanks for having, thanks, thanks for coming on and, and uh, take care, take care. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the interview with those guys. Definitely a great IDP breakdown right there. Make sure you go ahead and give those guys a follow on Instagram. Nim is at NimNoir, N-I-M-N-O-I-R. And Mig is at Miggy Smalls, M-I-G-G, the number one, E underscore Smalls, S-M-A-L-L-S. You can go right into the show notes and find their IG handles there. Um, But once again, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you all next week. Bye.